the most constant discussions about music is the question of what the listener considers to be more important, melody or words. I was looking around on the internet when I found a study conducted by the Max Planck Institute for Human Cognitive and Brain Sciences in Leipzig, Germany, and it concluded that at first listen, the human brain actually interprets the song as one element, and later on, when you're listening to the song again, your brain actually separates the music from the lyrics. So you can safely say that, unless you focus on one or the other, the first impression of a song that you get is depending more on the melody than the words. But after that, it can still be argued that it could be either of them. Hi, I'm Jailan and you're listening to the first episode of Lyricalize. song that took the longest of all the songs to write and to record and it's also about our favorite amongst the songs it's called the dangling conversation in today's episode we're going to be talking about one of my most favorite songs and it basically kicked off my very unhealthy obsession with uh, Simon Garfunkel Uh, The song is The Dangling Conversation. The song was featured on the 1966 album titled Parsley, Sage, Rosemary and Time. There are many other great songs on that album, of course, Scarborough Fair, which everybody knows, and there's also Homeward Bound, Feeling Groovy, and um, another personal favorite is For Emily Whenever I May Find Her. This particular album, I think, is one of the more underrated Simon Garfunkel records because it has a lot of songs that you don't usually hear about when talking about Simon Garfunkel. You always hear about The Sound of Silence and Scarborough Fair, but um, poetic masterpieces like The Dangling Conversation uh, kind of don't get mentioned a lot. And so I was really amazed when I first discovered it. The first time I listened to this song, a lot of its actual brilliance uh, got lost on me and I liked how it sounded because I generally like uh, the sound of uh, Simon Garfunkel and then when I started reading the lyrics and actually going deeper into it, I discovered that there were so many hidden meanings, so many things that Paul Simon managed to pack in such a short song and that it's actually very brilliant. So I suggest before going further with this podcast to just pause for a second and listen to the song. Just listen to it once um, to just form a general idea about the song and then you're going to be surprised how many things that are packed in there and how many ideas and metaphors that you just miss on first listen. Before we dive into the lyrics of the song, I'd like to share with you guys an extract from a 1968 documentary film that I found randomly on YouTube. Uh, The film is titled High School and it was directed by Frederick Wiseman. It basically follows a typical day of high school for a group of students at uh, a high school in Pennsylvania. And in this extract, you will hear an English teacher talking about the dangling conversation and how she's going to use it to highlight several uh, poetic devices and techniques that Paul Simon was able to employ successfully in his songwriting. 
For me, that was just further proof that this song is a poetic masterpiece. The dark fell here is Paul Simon, and the blonde is Art Garfunkel. The poet is Simon. And if you doubt that he's a poet now, wait until you hear some of his poetry. And you'll notice on the board I have some things that you're familiar with, images, setting, figurative language, thematic words. We'll be finding how, how he says what he does say. What, what do they want to say about our lives and how? And I think the best way to start is by looking at one of the, the best of the poems, The Dangling Conversation. That's the first one on your sheet. And uh, the process we'll use, first we'll read the poem, then listen to it. Then we'll talk about it and see how all the various poetic devices reinforce the theme, see what you think about it, and then we'll listen to it once again, and I'll bet it means something a little bit more to you. It's a still life watercolor of the now late afternoon, as the sun shines through the curtain lace and shadows wash the room. And we sit and drink our coffee, couched in our indifference, like shells upon the shore. You can hear the ocean roar in the dangling conversation and the superficial sighs, the borders of our lives. And you read your Emily Dickinson and I, my Robert Frost, and we note our place with bookmarkers and measure what we lost, like a poem poorly written. We are verses out of rhythm, couplets out of rhyme, in syncopated time. And the dangling conversation and the superficial sighs are the borders of our lives. Yes, we speak the things that matter with words that must be said. Can analysis be worthwhile? Is the theater really dead? And how the room is softly faded, and I only kiss your shadow. I cannot feel your hand. You're a stranger now unto me, lost in the dangling conversation and the superficial size, the borders of our lives. I notice how not only the devices reinforce the theme, but also the very rhythms, the melodies, and how they use their timing. One thing that I do love about the music in this song is how the introduction is actually very subtle. The first couple of notes just don't give away much in terms of how sad the song actually is. So you have calm and cheerful notes, kind of optimistic, and the song actually progressively gets sadder as you listen. The first line begins with, it's a still life watercolor. I find the analogy to a still life painting strongly alluding to what the song is actually about. A still life, I think the word still is the key here. A still life of two lovers who have lost their spark. But we can also say that still life watercolor paintings are actually beautiful and enjoyable. So for me the effect of this line didn't kick in until I've heard the entire song. The song goes on with Of a Now Late Afternoon. It's a still life watercolor of a now late afternoon. You can see how Simon paints a picture and as you hear the song, you can just see it in your mind's eye. 
you can imagine the soft light of a late afternoon. And one thing that I think is very significant here is the use of now late, uh, because it didn't just say a late afternoon. Uh, when he said now late, I got the impression that there is some sort of missed opportunity uh, or a prospect of a better setting, for example, early morning or afternoon. The next part is um, as the sun shines through the curtain lace and shadows wash the room. And this for me is just classic Simon Garfunkel. The imagery is perfectly detailed and very real. It sets the scene to truly immerse you in the song. And there's also a contrast between the sun shines and shadows wash the room. And it just, it makes you get a taste of this underlying shadow and the idea that the scene is not as perfect as it seems. It's also a great build-up from a still life watercolor uh, of a now late afternoon. Here there is a little bit of a shift in tone when they start to sing and we sit and drink our coffee. Uh, this alludes to the casualness of the scene. I think um, it just sounds like something that they do every day. It's repetitive and at this point when you listen to the song for the first time, you may not really realize the premise and this seems like a perfectly pleasant afternoon. You spend it drinking coffee with a loved one. The next line actually makes all the difference and uh, that's because of the change in tone in which uh, Paul sings. Uh, this is the turning point of the song for me. Uh, when I first heard the song this was like, okay, this is not what I thought it was. Towards this sort of um, shift there was a perfectly subtle build up, you couldn't detect it when you're first listening to the song. American pop culture is actually dipped in coffee and I love that because it seems perfectly fitting because really everything seems to happen over coffee and it's almost like a catalyst in, um, in songs like this one. The next line goes on with couched in our indifference. Um, and this is where it just hits you, that this is a sad, sad song. Now, I'm not a native English speaker, and this was the first time I heard the verb couched, or even realized that it was a verb, and it just, uh, it brought the imagery and the feeling to life, because they are both laying on a couch and they are both indifferent towards each other. I always recommend closing your eyes when listening to a song like this one because it's so full of great metaphors. This line says, like shells upon the shore, you can hear the ocean roar. Now if you close your eyes while listening to it and you just surrender to the imagery, you can truly see how diverse the metaphors are, even though they are all conveying the same idea. When you think of shells upon the shore, they are nestled in sand, perfectly still, but in the background, the ocean roars. Um, like the shadows washing the room, the ocean is this sort of dominating presence at the back of this seemingly serene late afternoon. After the chorus, which we're gonna be um, circling back to again at the end of the episode, uh, the song goes on with And you read your Emily Dickinson and I my Robert Frost. Uh, now, I haven't read a lot of poetry from Dickinson or Frost, so a little bit of research had to go into interpreting this line, 
Uh, what I did find is that, generally speaking, Emily Dickinson and Robert Frost's poetry themes were fundamentally different. While Emily wrote a lot about death and immortality, Robert Frost wrote about more grounded topics like nature, communication, and isolation. And for me, the last two themes seem to fit here since Simon is the one who is telling the story and he's the one who's reading Robert Frost and he seems to be more aware of the lack of communication in this relationship. Going on, they say, and we note our place with bookmarkers that measure what we've lost. Now, this is also one of my favorite lines in this song because it's literally packed with meaning and has an unusual tweet. There is no way to be absolutely sure of this, but I think Simon chose to say bookmarkers instead of the usual bookmark because the latter wouldn't have fit the rhyme and he just referenced two of the greatest poets in history. And when he says measure what we've lost, uh, my first interpretation was that he meant that the more time they spend immersed in their different interests, the more intimacy that they lose. And I think this is still a legitimate interpretation, but while I was checking out the lyrics on Genius.com, which is, by the way, a great way to understand the meaning uh, behind any lyric, because a lot of artists just go on there and um, use their annotation feature to um, include details about the lines and why they put uh, these particular lines where they are, and it's very interesting to read. So I was checking out um, the annotation for this song on Genius.com when I noticed one annotation that points out how the verb measure is used with poetry, and it just brought this entire verse together in a very wholesome way. The song goes on saying, like a poem poorly written, we are verses out of rhythm, couplets out of rhyme, in syncopated time. And this is one of the best things about Simon's songwriting that I absolutely love. There is absolutely no line in any of his songs that ever feels out of place or forced. He can just take a metaphor and run with it and it never feels awkward. When he says a poem poorly written, it hits perfectly and so does verses out of rhythm, especially because written and rhythm are actually very much in rhythm. And the next part is one of the best parts about the song, where Paul and Art sing the line in syncopated time, in syncopated time. Pretty cool, huh? Because at first I didn't actually catch right away what syncopated time meant. And then when they sang it that way, I understood what syncopated time meant right away. So this was a very cool part. After the chorus, it goes on with Paul singing, Yes, we speak of things that matter with words that must be said. Can analysis be worthwhile? Is the theater really dead? The way this part is sang is detrimental to understand its meaning. Uh, the way it starts and the way it ends make all the difference. Simon starts off assertively, kind of um, describing the important things that they talk about. And by the time he gets to the end of the verse where he says, is the theater really dead? You can really hear how the voice changes, how his voice sort of becomes slower and flatter and somehow deflated. The next line says, and how the room is softly faded. And I feel that uh, the word softly is very important here because there's really nothing explosive or angry about how this relationship is fading. It's just happening softly and without contempt on either side. 
Further on, it goes like, And I only kiss your shadow, I cannot feel your hand, you're a stranger now unto me. And the takeaway here is how the affection that they perform has become exactly that, performative, uh, void of meaning, and it kind of just seals the song perfectly. And I have to love how Simon chose to say unto me instead of to me, even though for me the meaning would have been more or less the same. Circling back to the chorus where uh, they say in the dangling conversation and the superficial size, the borders of our lives. Um, and the last part uh, with which the song ends is actually lost in the dangling conversation and the superficial size, the borders of our lives. And I'm always a bit ashamed to admit this, but when I first came across the song, I didn't automatically see the absolute genius of the title, The Dangling Conversation. And it suddenly hit me that it came from the grammatical construct of dangling modifiers or dangling prepositions. And I understood right away the concept that Simon was trying to get at. And he was very successful, actually, because, yes, the conversation dangles sort of incomplete and unsatisfactory, needing more definition. And I think the phrase superficial size also immediately brings to mind the phrase deep size, which we're all used to hearing all the time, uh, and this makes the contrast hit much harder. And the borders of our lives is very eventual. It implies how this shallow relationship that they have is limiting their potential to live a fuller life. And I personally like to think that at the end of the song, there's this implied peace that they both have with the situation. And I do wonder if that's something that Simon sought to convey. The beauty in the lyrics of the song is how, even if you haven't been in such a situation, you can still relate very much to it. And if you have been in such a situation, you can just feel that Paul Simon is speaking from your heart. And um, I think that applies to all lyrics in general, because what makes a song good or better than actually is, is if you relate to it on a personal level. And also, I'd like to point out that John Baez covered this song and I was really excited to find this out because I love her and the cover actually varies musically and she does change the lyric from is the theater really dead to is the church really dead, which is an entire different conversation but it's still a great cover so you should give it a listen. Another song by Simon Garfunkel that covers the same scenario is Overs. It was featured on their 1968 album Bookends. And Overs, I think, is a more lighthearted version of the dangling conversation. One of my favorite lines from it is um, No good times, no bad times, there's no times at all, just the New York Times. And I think this is a nice parallel with the line in the dangling conversation where they talk about reading poetry and discussing important things. Um, and it's overall a really great track. And Bookends also has many great songs, so you should check that out, including A Hazy Shade of Winter, which is a very personal favorite. There's a lot to say about this song, and uh, I try to get it all, and if I've missed anything, I'd love to hear from you guys, and if you have been in that same situation and would like to share your experience or 
uh, talk about how this song resonated with you. I'd love to hear from all of you. So you can go ahead to our Twitter page at Lyricalize or our Instagram page at Lyricalize Podcast where um, you can leave us your feedback or suggestions for what you'd like to hear about in the next episodes. And if you like The Dangling Conversation, I've curated a playlist on Spotify of songs that sound similar to it and songs that kind of cover the same theme. So you can check that out. You're going to find the link um, basically anywhere in Instagram or Twitter or in the description. And also, if you think uh, you know any song that is similar to The Dangling Conversation and you'd like me to add it to the playlist, I wouldn't hesitate to do that. Just send it my way. Finally, I'd like to thank you guys for tuning in and I'd like to give a quick shout out to my friends and my husband who have been very supportive ever since I decided that I wanted to do this, which was I think back in October of 2019, a very different time, but I think in this situation that we're all facing right now, it's important to hold on to the things that you love and the people that you love. And it's important to indulge your passions and to stay connected to the things that make you happy. I'd like to thank you again for tuning in and we're gonna see each other again soon in two weeks in our next episode.